Welcome to another Talking With on Anne I'm so glad you're here. If you're ready to break through constraints, other people's ideas, and take control and design your life, your career, exactly the way that you see it, you've come to the right place. Sit back, relax, take in all the inspiration as we talk to some pretty powerful people. Enjoy. Thanks for having me. I I really appreciate this opportunity. It's awesome. Oh, I have to say, I sent out a beacon of a message out on the Vetchpreneur Tribe on anyone that would like to discuss their journey into life design, business design. You were one of the ones that touched back and we had a conversation. And I have to say, ever since that conversation, I've honestly felt I had to get my butt in gear just listening to your story. It is an amazing story. And I want to do a quick intro. Um, You're a Navy veteran and you got out of the Navy and you unintentionally began a successful 3D printing company. No intention of doing that. Correct. No intention. It was all happenstance. It was one thing led to another. Uh, Everything was started by necessity. Mm-hmm. And people started to find out what we were doing, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, it's basically how it took off. Well, I think I'm going to pull over, and okay. um, I go walk through a cornfield. It's really loud on my end. In the meantime, I guess I could give you the skinny on how how we got rolling. Back in uh, 2016, we were working out of my garage, and uh, there wasn't necessarily a laboratory in there yet. What it was, it was a wooden bench that I had built from some scraps that we had left over from when the house was built. And I had a couple of ideas prior to that since I got laid off from my other position as a public speaker for the Miss Dig system, which is the state's 811. Probably one of the most boring things I ever did. (laughs) You get on stage and you talk about the state law which if you know me, doesn't really suit me very well. Then you're talking to road commissions and everybody just, they automatically hated you as soon as you got up there because you're talking about the law. So that's where I got some of my thick skin from, not only being redhead and freckles, but mm-hmm. also up there and taking a beating. That gave me a lot of preparation for what it takes to be a business leader because you gotta be strong and you don't get in this type of thing to enjoy all the freedom. If you come into this for the freedom, you come into this for the wrong reason. We'll get back on that later. But after I was laid off, I built that bench like I was telling you about because I had some prototypes in mind. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have deep pockets. You know, I didn't have a daddy Robux. So I had to really think hard. How am I going to get this built without a $50,000 uh, mold or injection molding? And mm-hmm. I was reading up and I decided uh, 3D printing. 3D printing seems to be this thing that's cost effective. And some people are able to do it on their own. So I found a machine and I built that myself. I programmed it, did all that. I taught myself coding Uh, over a period of about 60 days. I taught myself coding. I taught myself, rushed up on some mechanical engineering and I built that printer. I started making a couple trinkets for the local farmer's markets. Uh, That was a lot of fun, but we were hemorrhaging money. It was take 20 hours to make a keychain, and you charge $5 for it. It wasn't adding up. Uh, But once the word got out that we were doing full-time 3D printing, I started doing prototypes for local companies. And then it turned into uh, a short run 
for say a manufacturer will call up and say, Hey guys, you know, we, we need 50 of these items. Can you just make 50 of them? They don't want to build a mold. So we'll go ahead and we'll do 50 items and they save a fortune and everybody's happy at the end of the day. So that's kind of how we built up. That's a very, very summarized version. It is a very summarized version. When did you get out of the Navy? 2001, May of 2001. What made you want to go into the Navy? Of, yeah. <laughs> well, I grew up in Jackson, Michigan. I had a good time growing up. I had a wonderful childhood. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. But I didn't feel like there was anything left for me there. Besides the judge wanted me to leave anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I was in some trouble in high school. I was a, a hellion. I was a punk rocker. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was full of rebellion. And I, I knew I had to do something. And the Navy looked awesome. So I joined the service. To be honest with you, I did not even know you got paid when you went to the service. I thought you literally volunteered. That's hmm. how ignorant I was to the whole service. I thought you literally served. I thought it was a good cause, so I went in for it. Uh, when I got my first paycheck at boot camp, I went to the mall in Gurney Mills, and my mom was there visiting from the you know, boot camp graduation. I said, Mom, I got $800. That was a ton of money. <laughs> I said, Let's go to the mall. I'm buying you a necklace. Oh. I thought I was just super rich. But that's why I joined the Navy. I wanted to get out. I wanted to see the world. Uh, other branches said they could do that, but the Navy was one that I knew that if I got on a ship, I was going to go to places. Right. That's and did you get on a ship and did you get to see places? Yes, all over the place. We were forward deployed on the USS Kitty Hawk for three out of my four years. We were constantly deployed. Tour in the Persian Gulf, Australia, Korea, stationed in Japan for three years, San Diego, Washington. It was a busy four years. Didn't get to go home much, but there really wasn't time. Mm -hmm. So that went by really quick. And I was asked to re-up. But I decided that it was time to get out and uh, go use the GI Bill, go to school. It sounds like a lot of things have happened by happenstance. You were a rebellion punk rocker, not really have any direction through strong encouragement of the penal system. <laughs> and you're wanting to see the world. <laughs> you decided to go into a branch of the military that could offer you that. You get out. You get into a profession that you're not really well suited for you going on stage and speaking to people about law and abiding by the law. It's a little bit opposite of what you, what you're kind of all about. And then right. from what I remember you telling me, you had your resume and you were hitting the streets and you were submitting and looking for that nine to five, that security when you were asked to do the prototype, what is it? that allows you not to have a tsunami of anxiety while life is just kind of offering you these opportunities and you're able to take advantage of that? You know, that's an amazing question. It's, there's a lot of depth to that question too. To scratch the surface and then dig a little deeper, I think we have to go back to when uh, my parents were divorced back in 1991. I remember that clearly because that's when Terminator 2 came out. And that's also the year we got my dog Coco and also the year my parents got divorced. Uh, I was working a paper route. I was mowing a couple lawns at the same time. And I was also managing a car lot, cleaning their, their bays and uh, cleaning up the junk in the parking lot. I was working super, super hard. And I had stacks of money in my dresser where, I, you know, one day I just said, I'm going to go buy a motorcycle. And I was 12 years old and I had this big stack of money. So 
I realized right then when I was a real young kid at a young age that I have to build my own economy. I have to build my own system of support. No one's going to give it to you. My dad left and left me hanging. You know, I was a young boy needing direction. So I was like, you know what? I don't need anybody. I don't need the government. I don't need none of that. But we all need structure. So, you know, I through a lot of hard lessons growing up. It helped me to deal with some of the stressors that you encounter when you start in your own business because there's sometimes a month will go by and you don't have any money, no income. And you're, I use this word a lot, but you're hemorrhaging money. Mm -hmm. money oozes out. But when you have been through a lot of hard times, uh, like I've been through and a lot of struggles, you know how to make do and how to, how to raise the energy and raise capital if you really need to raise capital. There's always eBay. There's always yard selling. You know, there's other means to get by until then. But it's also convincing the people around you, like the in-laws and even my own family, that there's going to be a payoff at the end of the day. If you believe in me, like I believe in my vision, I can promise you that we're going to get to someplace great. But if you keep dismissing this as a joke or a fantasy, then I'm not going to include you in it. And when I do get to that place, you're going to say, well, I knew I, I met that guy once. But you're not going to know me anymore. That's amazing because you do it instantaneously have this energy of resilience and can do an inspiration. It's just Thanks. there. It's just present. And when I was researching you to prepare for this interview, you did. And I was curious about this because you hit a lot of newspapers with your 3D printing to make I believe it was a hundred digit spinners in a day. And was that something that you were like, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Or was that something in the back of your mind going, this will garner a, it's fun. B fidget spinners are all the rage and C, this is going to get me some traction. A, B and C. Wow. A, B and C. We started doing those right at the beginning when everybody wanted a fidget spinner. Mm -hmm. um, I realized we could do some really cool designs on the fly and we could change them on the fly with 3D printing. So I invested in a fleet of printers and we were producing, like I said, about 100 to 200 a day, which was an incredible amount. You got to hammer in the bearings, which you have to also source. So we met a distributor in Detroit and then we got to talking about how he got started. And then I met somebody else through him, through a defense contractor. He said, you need to work with so-and-so over here through the Esper Asper's for small business initiative to get them to do research. And this all ties in. So I give this guy a call. He's with NASA. And uh, I called him up. I said, I got this concept. You know, I invented this uh, tool that goes on the end of a 3D printer. It also has cameras and a scale. So it allows in situ monitoring of 3D printing. So the guy's up in space, which my idea is up there in the space station right now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is monitoring the 3D printers and it's telling the astronauts, it says, guys, we got a problem. You know, Houston, we have a problem. They can choose to stop their printers and they can interject right there. They can stop it. They can fix the problem or they can just let it keep going. And the nozzle will also correct itself. So backing up a little bit, I sent that idea out to them. And they called me back and I was in the Halloween Superstore with my son holding him up and we're looking at costumes and I had forgotten about this because three months had went by and I proposed that at three in the morning one night while I'm camping in the backyard. And I, like I said, I forgot about it. So they called up and they said, hi, this is Kimberly from NASA. We got your concept. We'd like to uh, speak to you more about it. 
So they flew me out to Langley, which was just awesome. Because growing up, who didn't want to go to NASA outside of vacation? You know, right. to get there invited to do something like this was such an honor. Uh, so I got there. The first thing I asked to do was go to the gift shop. I wanted to go to the gift shop. I maxed out my credit card and I bought <laughs> tons of souvenirs, uh, including the hat. So um, we ended up doing some work for them and teaming up with some of their scientists. And that helped to springboard us to other projects. So we're, we're doing a lot of things. We do some government now, and we're doing a lot of prototypes for manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And we still work for local inventors and our capabilities have expanded to include 3D scanning. So we go to museums, we scan statues, and then we reproduce them for their, their gift shops or obsolete parts for people's cars or for tanks, for instance. We do a lot of that stuff too. Um, we just moved into a new building. Yes, you did. Monday. That was so sweet. It was bittersweet. Bitter because that's a new bill. That's mm -hmm. a new debt. But it's a debt that we believe is going gonna, is gonna to pay off. Uh, because now we can walk around and not be shoulder to shoulder. It's a big building. We don't need to be butt to butt anymore. <laughs> um, well, I just yeah. want to sum up this timeline. Laid off, keychains at farmer's markets, fidget yeah. spinners, Detroit, NASA, your invention up in space right now, still working and prototyping for inventors onto the next greatest thing and moving into you. a new building i mean people wait for perfect timing oh i've got to get a b and c done and then i have to market and then i have to prototype and then i have to propose and then i have to get connected with the right people there's a very laid out plan there's a strategic effort that goes forth you are in the backyard camping living life doing things only you know how to do authentically and these are happening what would you say is that characteristic about you that is propelling you forward you've really pumping me up here i appreciate that you built me up to the status um, <laughs> no to be honest with you a lot of it is resilience and a lot of it is gut and heart i think most of it is heart growing up i always had this desire to be uh, to be something great dare to be great and I know that if I follow through with what I see coming down the road here uh, in the future, it's going to lead to greater things than I could have ever dreamed of, you know, with Dream Lab. But to get to this point, it is a struggle. It's mm -hmm. a huge struggle. Resilience is, is right up there, but having heart and listening to your heart. I know it sounds corny, but the heart is always right. And if you feel like you get that shiver down your spine when you know you did something right and you know you're on the right path. It almost feels like deja vu. Mm -hmm. That's when you know that you're doing the right thing. And that's when you keep looking forward and you keep that shiver, keep going down your spine. The hair stands up at the back of your neck and your arms are tingling. You're doing the right thing. And I try to maintain that feeling. And if I feel like I'm getting off course, I'll literally walk up the road and I'll start talking to myself and I'll scream it out. I say, I need a customer. I need, what am I going to do next? And I just throw it out there. You know, whoever's listening, is it God? Is it Jesus? Is it Buddha? Is it the universe? Is it Mother Nature? I don't know. But I know that if I throw it out there and if I believe in it hard enough, I can make it happen through resilience, heart, and almost plain stupidity. What was that moment when you realized you didn't have to live within constraints? We're all put in constraints in our young lives with rules. We're told certain things in school. 
And then, of course, if you go into the military, it's constraint city. You're told what you can do, how much of it you can do, and how far you're going to go. And that is very much ordered in a very methodical, strategic way. Do you remember the particular time or was there ever a time that you broke through and said, I'm not living within constraints? I have a moment in mind when um, we had just left Walt Disney World right after high school graduation and we were driving up to Chicago to drop me off at boot camp. And when I got on the bus, I remember thinking, this is it. I'm not doing anything else structured after this. This is too much for me because I was free from a young age to think and to do on my own. Barely finished high school because I had other ideas. I had other ambitions and I had to make sure that I had to get those uh, out to the world. But I knew at that moment, as soon as I hit that bus and the master chief was on there and he yells, sit down in the back. And he's talking to me. I had long hair down here and I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to sit down. So I, I, I had my struggles in the military. I did. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't your ideal person. I wasn't your ideal sailor, but I, I abided the rules. I did my stuff. I even got some awards, but it just wasn't for me. And I knew the second I joined that um, this is going to be good for a lot of reasons, but it's not my identity. It's not who I am. And so you, you got out and yeah. you, there's no constraints. The playground is as big None. as you make it. That's right. If you can dream it up, we can build it. Literally. Dream lab. <laughs> dream lab. The dream lab is, it's a state of mind. It's not a building. It's all of us. It's making things that we dream up a reality. How do you calculate risk? Where does that oh, fit just, in? I get asked that all the time. How do I calculate risk? Well, you can hire a consultant or you can read a book on Amazon. What I do is I just, I just dive into it. I tell you if I failed or if I succeeded. That's how I calculate risk. If you're lucky, you can find someone else who came before you and you can see what they did. But nine times out of 10, if you're trying something new, you're setting the tread on the trail. So uh, I guess you have to listen to your heart, listen to your gut. If it's gonna be something stupid, you're not gonna get that shiver down your spine. That's how I calculate I, risk. I think that you're putting together a fresh take on how people look at entrepreneurship and business because you're putting together these different ingredients that are kind of against the grain a little bit. What I'm getting from it as a, a person just listening to you is that if I can get out of my own headspace, get out of my own way, if I can truly trust my intuition, then those risks that I'm going to take, I'm going to know I'm going to be smart enough if I need to exit left and get the hell out or if I need to bring in a contingency plan but it's staying in that self-awareness you're spot on with that and I'm telling you if you decide right now you want to take this show of yours full-time and you tell yourself right now this is something I want to do and you feel it you feel mm -hmm. your cheeks start to, to tingle that means it's telling you to go for it that's your heart telling you this is something we want you to do that's I know it's true. corny, but I'm telling you, it's better than any analyst is going to do for you. It's better than any book on Amazon. I've read them all. I got a degree in business management and mechanical engineering. I've been taught rote memory, black and white. This is what you got to do. This is how you start a business with the SBA. Well, you know what? I doubt that's going to happen for a lot of people. Most people's credit sucks. And to qualify for an SBA loan, good luck with that. You're going to have to be creative. 
You might have to sell plasma for a couple of months, but I don't know. That's another topic. Well, and a lot of people could come at you and go, well, maybe you didn't have, maybe you had freedom to be able to take the risk, but you have a family. You're providing for a whole family, a couple of kids, a wife, yeah. you've got, you're living the family life. And that was scary. a driver for you. It was scary. Yeah. It's very scary. Great question. Mm-hmm. What is that process for you to leverage fear? Fear is, it's almost identical to stress. So I've lived with fear my entire life. You know, I, I guess as a human being, most kids are scared of the dark. You know, you take that fear, you use that energy to drive you forward. But for my family though, you know, there's moments where I think to myself, what the hell am I doing? What if this falls apart? What are we going to do about the mortgage? Can I just go back to nine to five or who's going to hire me knowing that I had my own company? So there's a lot of risks involved with what I'm doing. And I'm also putting myself out there, especially with you right now, telling people how I really think. So Mm -hmm. if there's any local investors here, they ain't going to touch me. (laughs) And to be honest, I don't want their damn money anyways. But with the family, it all goes back to what Mickey said to Rocky. He said, you got heart, kid. (laughs) You got to listen to your heart. And I know I've said it so many times, but I could write a book on listening to your heart and how right it's been my entire life. Can I tell a quick story? Yes, absolutely. Okay. When um, I graduated boot camp and I was really, really considering not going back, if you catch my drift. Mm -hmm. So I was in a bad part of Jackson and I got out to go into a party store. I had my wallet on my lap. And when I got out, apparently my wallet fell into the parking lot and this is in a ghetto. So it falls off. And about three o'clock in the morning rolls by. I have to leave to go to the Kitty Hawk to fly to Lansing to fly on out. Couldn't find my wallet. I'm freaking out. You know, it was just a thought in the back of my head. Like, I don't want to go. But I wasn't dare going to act on it. So then I get this call at about 3.30 a.m. from AT&T. And this is back when calling cards. Everybody had calling cards. We found your calling card. So-and-so has it. I'm like, this is weird. The whole thing was just dizzying dreamlike. So I call the number and it was father. So-and-so it was a priest of all people, a priest. <laughs> and he says, I heard a, a thunk on his uh, stoop at 250 something in the morning. And he found my wallet with the money inside of it about eight or nine miles away from that party store over a stone wall. And somebody had taken it, but they threw it. And I don't know how this could have happened by the it landed on his stoop and he heard it slam on the, the ground. From that moment on, I knew I better not second guess my choice. I'm going in the Navy. I better go. That's, wow. that's not a sign. Then that's, then I don't know what to call it. But that was a wake up call for me that uh, you better start listening to your heart. You better. Yes. And really understand that. Now I understand why you would walk up the road and, and have those conversations because you know that there's a, there's it's definitely... Legit. It's definitely legit. Something is guiding you. They're guiding you. There's a higher power. I'm not religious. So don't confuse that with, I was raised Catholic, but I don't go to church. You don't need to. That's just my opinion. But I believe in a higher power. I know that I am Mm -hmm. not the highest power. I am so small. But I interrupted your train of thought. Please continue. No, that's okay. When you tell your kids, or have you, have you told your kids, hey, look up at the sky something dad invented and built is up there. What do they say? You know, I don't think they realize it. Jack, my oldest, he's seven. He was raised in my lab. You know, the lab was 
I don't know why I told you 2016. It was 2015 earlier. Bad with dates and names, so forgive me for that. <laughs> so he was a little tiny kid at the time. And whatever I tell him now, it doesn't. Doesn't He's not fascinated. So today, though, I did blow his mind. I took this high-powered laser, and I shined it across the yard, and we were burning a tree. And this is a, you know, it's a 50,000 megawatt laser. So this is the kind of shit that'll get you in trouble. So I shined it in the woods. We're burning a tree, and the neighbors are looking outside, and um, that kind of stuff. He says, "Dad, that's awesome." So I'll do anything to get him to say that, but <laughs> tell him that it's up there in outer space. Couldn't care less. Yeah, I can't see it. <laughs> You're planting a seed. You're planting a seed in your kids that truly anything can be possible. Anything is possible. If you look at me. If you knew me growing up. I did very, very good in school up until about sixth grade. I don't know, just my personality. I could have been a stand-up comedian, I think, or I could have been homeless. But I never thought I would be in this position here where people are relying me for a job or um, a position of leadership. I never likened myself to be a leader. I never thought I'd be a leader. And Jeff, I know you're listening. Just have faith in me, okay? I got a vision for this company. What would you call your leadership style? I'm very direct. I call it like Hawaiian shirt style, disco. Oh, kind of laid um, back? Kind of laid back, but I can also get frustrated pretty quick with mm-hmm. uh, when people don't perform. I get frustrated with that. If I feel like I was clear enough on something and uh, if they do something completely different or if they're complaining about not having anything to do, there's certain things that will that will bug me. But the way I like to lead, I guess, is by example. That's another overused phrase, but it's very true. If I'm not going to do it, why should somebody else? That's the way I see it. I'm curious if you have noticed that people that are in your charge that you are leading, have you found that they are reaching heights that they themselves didn't know that they could reach? I know that right now that um, I just hired another individual and this is a new territory for him. I could see the light in his eyes right now. I could see the shimmer. And he's taking a big risk on me. So I know he's going to grow substantially, with, even without being around me. Just being around all this cool stuff and the people that he's going to meet, it's going to blow his mind. Yep, I went off topic there. But it's what I do. Oh, that's good. That's good. Because there has to be a transaction between yeah. leader and those that are being led. And part of that transaction is empowerment, autonomy, and inspiration. Autonomy is a big thing. I feel that if you get the right people in the right places, you should be able to trust them to be autonomous, not fully autonomous, but you should trust them because you can't do everything yourself forever. You got to let go. Growing up, I learned that really quick. You can't do everything yourself. So I started delegating. You know, I hired somebody to help with my paper out when I was 12. I doubled my size runner for carrier of the year up, runner up. So yeah, if you find the right people, they believe in what you believe in this vision. And if you really plant that seed within them, it's going to grow. You got to foster it within them. But you keep convincing yourself every day too, that what you're doing is worthwhile and it's going to be worth it for them. As long as they keep believing your bullshit, then you're good to go. (laughs) Keep believing your bullshit. (laughs) Doubt that it's bullshit you're giving. Um, Are you... (laughs) Are you very transparent and very aware of gaps that you might have, your weaknesses that you're strengthening? Very transparent. What is is the one thing you're working on right now? I would have to say right now, this is a personal thing. For me, with a company being in a new 
literal location and people looking at us differently, I'd say it's my presentation, my uh, outward presentation. You can't always walk around with a Hawaiian shirt. You got to adapt. We all have to be chameleons in an aspect. Uh, it's part of maturing and growing up. I still keep that spirit, you know, the, mm-hmm. the rebellious spirit alive, the James Dean, but it doesn't fly with everybody. So you have to adapt. Uh, I'm learning to adapt to different crowds. I hate golf, but I know I'm going to have to learn it. It's terrible. It is, but I know I got to learn it because <laughs> people I'm working with are, I work with a lot of executives. I go to the, the top of the buildings to meet with the top big wigs now to mm-hmm. talk about prototypes. So I can't go up there flip flops and, you know, NASA hat, you just can't do it. So it's working on uh, adapting it in presentations like that. Well, the bear cart at the golf course will help you get through the day. That's I, what I've learned. That's right. That's what I've learned. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> so you talked about leadership, and I, I'm curious at what is going to be the next thing that you're going to be concentrating on, whether it be personal and life. Because what I'm interested in is, and I guess I'm just throwing questions at you. Mm-hmm. First, is there a separation of your personal life and your business life? Are these completely separate? Are you two different people in these worlds? Is it two worlds you're walking in? Oh, yeah. It's kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. There'll be days where I go to work and I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. I'm father. I bring daddy to work. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, when I get to work, I put on a whole different face. It just takes a matter of looking around for a second, realizing this is serious business now. This is not your garage. So, yeah, I put on a whole different, whole different face. But I'm still goofy. I still am who I am. You can't erase that. It's different. So, yeah, I guess I do. Let it bleed into home, though. So I'm guilty of that a lot because of this phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fast to respond. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Verizon will be in touch with you shortly. They better. That's her store right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Not by chance, either. I guess it is by chance. See? Happenstance. Happenstance. That's serendipity. The serendipity or happenstance? Oh. Uh, could be serendipity. Serendipity. I'm thinking Wait, of 90s movies. Go ahead. So your life, I'm seeing a Venn diagram. You've got your, you've got your personal life, your family life, you've got your business life, and then there's this overlap. What are those characteristics that are feeding both that make them good, that make them work? Dreaming. If I were to stop dreaming, none of this is going to continue. With the dream, you got drive. and With that drive, got has outcome. With that outcome, has your vision. So if you if you maintain that dream, it translates into being home, and it also translates into being in the office. You got to carry that both places because everything you're doing in your off time has an effect on your uh, your on time. That's how I feel about that. And this is a brand new Bluetooth. How how dorky does this thing look? Well, I mean, it looks serious is what it looks like. You're not taking that on the golf course, though, that's for sure. You need to have a tiny, tiny one. I just say buy, sell, sell, sell. (laughs) Closed. Done. Closed. Yeah, done. Fire him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you're also very very active in the Vetropreneur tribe. Love it. Love it. Why? Why is there still a component of serving for you? I I guess... um, being a kid, 
we all can do this, where we go back and you trace where things started, right? For me, it was being a kid and having people I looked up to that um, gave me guidance or I just looked up to them because they were a success in certain ways or they weren't always rich, but they either had this personality that was magnetic and like they were just this awesome person, you know, or uh, they were a successful millionaire, but they were a jerk. So it was kind of finding those people and adapting to them, but adapting some of their qualities. But um, what was your question? <laughs> what drives you to continue to serve? Giving back. You know, through a lot of struggles, you learn a lot of tricks and a lot of cheats to get around some of those obstacles. And I see a lot of people continue to do the same thing over and over again, the definition of crazy. Mm -hmm. So if I could implant some bits of advice or tidbits of what might be a better idea to do in these situations when you're starting a new business, by all means, please listen to me. I'm going to save you a ton of money. I'm going to save you a lot of trouble, probably legally too. Um, mm -hmm. Just listen to what I have to say. You know, let people make the mistakes for you, uh, before you, and listen to what they've done. I like to uh, hover a lot in the group, and I like to see what people are doing, what they're talking about. And very rarely will I, will I chime in and say, you know, I did that before, and this is the outcome. Maybe try this. I've probably only done that once or twice. Mm -hmm. But I find this group is different than most because the people are actually active on this group. And they're not just joining it to spam it with their multi-level marketing thing or something. Uh, nothing against that. But that's just not what this group is about. It's serious business professionals looking to, to better themselves with other individuals on there that are looking to help out. It's a unique platform that whoever started the Vet Tribe is lucky to have these people on their page. They really are. It is a very special group in that there are wildly successful people involved in this group. And they are still in the trenches. They're not stingy with the wisdom. You're not stingy with the wisdom. And one of the things, so we made an appointment to meet and talk about the interview. And your first question, after we said hello, you were nice. You were like, hi, hi, Brandon. Hi, I'm Jacqueline. You're like, what's in it for you? Tell me first what's in it for you before we go any further. And I was like, this is the guy you can get on board with. Let's get right down to the nitty gritty and be transparent. And then the story and the conversation that unfolded after that it hit me afterwards was that's the difference. That is the difference between something working and being able to say, Hey, look what the hell I just did. And someone saying maybe someday. That's right. You have the secret. Good. You have that secret of I'm going to, we're doing it. And I'm going to ask the question that I'm really wanting to ask. And I'm going to ask it in a way that's very clear and concise. And then based on, those responses, we're going to then very in an agile-like type, we're going to carefully plan and make things happen. Well said. Well, you're a very you, good speaker. Well, I you're you're you. very eloquent. I couldn't imagine talking like that. I would sound fake. You do it very, very well. I appreciate that. You're welcome. It's deserved. <laughs> but I do have a question in yeah, that someone that it's not sinking in the person that is still waiting for perfect still waiting for someday is there something some exercise some 
mind shift that you can shed light on that will help them take that first step out of yeah what is it yeah are you ready okay so one thing i've been telling people lately is people ask the same thing like what can you tell somebody who's kind of stuck in a rut or who needs to know what to do next you know oh there's no one solid answer what worked for me was the first thing that pops into your mind what is it what do you want to do if it's ride your bike to Marquette right now, okay, go get a bike, get your ass on it, and go to Marquette. Do it. Just start doing things. Stop thinking. Your brain's going to get in the way of everything important. Just do things. Stop thinking. Get over yourself. Get over your ego. Just do it. You know? Just start Just doing do things. Just start doing things. When I was in college, I had a repossessed mongoose bike from the city of Marquette, and it was a piece of garbage. Um, put a milk crate on the back and told my, who is my, now my wife, I said, I'm going to ride my bike to Jackson, which is about a five-day bike ride or a, you know, a full-day car ride. So the next day I pack up, I go, the milk crate falls off the first mile. <laughs> I didn't prepare. Life's not always about being prepared, but I made it downstate. You know, I met a lot of people on the way that I'll never forget that helped define who I was. So you're going to find ways to define yourself if you just put yourself out there. My God. And and, the, and if the milk crate had been secured and not falling off, then who knows who that knows? you would have never met those people. You would have never had those experiences. Right. Just start mm -hmm. doing. Go do stuff. Just go do stuff. Do what yeah. you want to do, most importantly. Climb that antenna. Or go climb a tree, go dig a ditch, go metal detecting. I don't know. Just go do whatever it is that you've really wanted to do. Just get it over with. Because sometimes it's not that surface thing that you're doing. It's going yes, to be sure. the experience of doing that that's really going to teach you. That's right. And that'll open up more doors within yourself. And you'll find yourself getting braver. Some people call it dumber, but just a little bit of both. But you got to learn to balance those two. Um, but yeah, you got to take risks. Every day we take a risk. We're driving down the road. We trust the other guy coming towards us not to fall asleep and go in my, our lane. Everything's a risk. So why not take as many as you can while you're young and while we're alive? Let's do it. Would you say you're a generally happy person? Yeah, I'm pretty upbeat. I'll get depressed. You know, I'll get down. But I'd say 90% of the time I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. That's why I'm pretty happy. Pretty happy-go-lucky. Mm -hmm. What does your wife think about all this? What does your wife think about this journey that you're, that the two of you are on? She's very supportive. Uh, in the beginning, I could tell that it was a tough pill for her to swallow with, uh, you know, being pregnant. Uh, rightfully so. Right. She wasn't buying into it. So if you're not bought into this as the uh, other person, the significant other, then you're going to, it's going to be a hard time. But for her, she wasn't bought, she wasn't fully in. And I still detect sometimes she's still not in. She's not that far away from me right now, but uh, I still detect she's not fully on board at times because I do do things on the fly, but they normally work out. You know, a lot of people will tell me you got a plan. You got to have this plan. Screw that. Somebody else will write that for me. But for now, I'm writing my own book. That's amazing. Do you feel like her being a planner, that kind of balances you a little bit? Oh, yeah. Without her, I'd be a mess. <laughs> I'd be a mess. That's uh, what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, they, we all need our uh, our other pole. I'm either north or south, and she's the one that's steady. She's my rock. Um, we all need a foundation. And 
not everybody can be that foundation for themselves. We, we can't do everything ourselves. So I, I rely on her a lot, you know, of course, to, to help raise the kids, but to also pump me up sometimes because there'll be times where I get down and think, oh, we're having a slow week. How are we going to get by? But after even just telling her that, knowing that she actually heard me was enough to uh, make me feel better. Mm-hmm. She balances me out. She's my mini me. We just you watched have, Austin Powers the other night. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have those people that surround you and, and support you. And, and whether they ha- share the same personality traits, there has to be that balance. How did you find outside of the support system of your life, but the people that you're hiring, the people that you're partnering with, how do you feel like you're attracting them or choosing them? Is there a criteria or is it something that is just showing up like your wallet in a priest at 3.30 in the morning? It's more so what you just said with the priest, but there's also, there's also the technological aspect too. With my business, it's not just something you could just jump into immediately and, and do. It takes a certain type of person that's open-minded with a creative edge. To get close to God is to create. And if I got to keep asking someone to be creative, you know, find a different way to do something, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So when I interview people, one of the first things I ask them or in a roundabout way is, how could you see yourself within this company dealing with person A over here who comes to you with a square or person B who comes to you with an item that needs a complete microprocessor put inside of it with Bluetooth and these two bubble gum at the same time? You know, could you see yourself understanding that? Can you, do you have a visual imagination? And also I got to test their empathy without any empathy. We're not going to get along. You know, I, you got, I have to empathize with people. I've always been that way. I can feel emotion as soon as I walk into a room. They got to have that ability. And this new guy I just hired, Jeff, he struck me as the individual that uh, he hasn't told me yet, but I know that he's been through the thick and thin. Some people just emanate it, right? I can tell that he's got a big heart. He's got a lot to offer. And that what he tells me is all true. It better be that he's just a genuine person. So I feel like I made the right choice with him so far. And I've made bad choices in the past. Don't get me wrong. They tell you one thing to your face and they do another thing when you turn around. Mm -hmm. It's always something you got to be cautious about. But you try to screen them as best you can. But you really have to just listen to your heart. And is this the right person to be doing this? You don't get that feeling, then tell them to go away. They're not supposed to be there. I've spoken and consulted with companies a lot on, on culture, employee engagement. And I have to say your, uh, your approach to that is you are already building a wonderful, transparent culture. You think so? You're already laying the groundwork because yeah, because you're coming in and you're, you have already decided beforehand without any, without any concern of, okay, I'm supposed to be the boss and this is how the boss is supposed to act and look and sound and I'm hitting all those check boxes. You're going, no, this is what the company needs. This is what the position needs. And then this is how you need to interact with other departments. So let me ask those questions. You fit that, everything else is going to be great. You're going to have a working, working culture because of that. Let me ask you this. Hmm. Remember in high school or junior high or college for that matter, doing a group assignment and you were assigned a certain parameter to do or a certain subject well that subject turned out to be something that you're not good at and 
You're just not going to be. It's not natural for you to do this. And once you join the group, you realize this other person's really good at it, but they should be doing what I'm doing and I should be doing what they're doing. So in your group, you can always bounce off each other and, and work together in a cohesive manner. But as soon as you get out to the workforce, nine to five, what do they tell you is you need to find solutions on your own. You, you got to be blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. You got to work together because Jeff might know something that I don't know and I think I do but he knows a better way to do it. So we have to work together, bounce things off each other, just like we did back in school. That's one mm -hmm. thing you can learn from school that will translate into the real world. And I, it's, I don't run a dictatorship. That's not going to work. We've all seen how that flies. I'll learn from history. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that you have the same approach of that, that if you're the smartest, the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room or you have the wrong people in the room. Yeah, there's no such thing as smarter. Yeah. Smarter than anybody else. They know more about one thing than somebody else, but we're all smarter than everybody else in certain ways. Correct. You can be the smartest person in the room in five minutes right now. Exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah. At one point in time, I was the youngest person in the world. That's true, even for a half a second. Half a second, that's right. And we all learn to eat with spoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are coming to the end of the hour. You have graciously sat in this, literally in the middle of a field, which I think is poetic, talking about building a company from the ground up unintentionally when you just randomly pulled off the side of the road. So talk about hands in the dirt. <laughs> literally. Almost as though we scripted it, but we didn't. I know. And dirt in my eyes from the world. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is to just get out there and do stuff and experience right. yeah. experience i enjoyed this conversation i, I enjoyed really it too i'm just really honored and humbled that you chose to interview me i think it's really cool well i've been thank you no thank you thank you for agreeing i've been telling everyone about hey i'm gonna have an interview this sunday you're not gonna want to miss it i mean unintentional success with an indescribable, I can't put into words, just intention that you have about yourself. You have an intention, you are intent in success and impact. And not a lot of people get in touch with that because we're living by someone else's rules. That's right. Amen, mama. Man, a lot of people are going to be uh, fired up and ready to go after listening to you today. I hope so. I really hope so. What if we inspire, we inspire the next person to go out there and invent the next greatest thing? Could be the next toilet paper roll or um, the next uh, suit that's going to save a diver's life mm -hmm. because of this little conversation we had right now. You never know. One thing leads to another, the butterfly effect. That's very true. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to let you get back to your day, to your family. Okay. I know y'all are traveling tomorrow. Yeah, um, we're going to go to the Upper Peninsula. Have fun. I'm going to go to downtown Thanks. L.A. <laughs> oh, awesome. Get some coffee. <laughs> Will do. All right, drive yep. safe, and thank you again. Likewise. All right, so bye, guys. Again. Thanks for joining. Bye -bye.